Good day, folks. This is Shane Hasty for the InfoQ Engineering Culture Podcast. I'm at the Agile 2019 conference and I'm sitting down with Steve Milligan. Steve, welcome. You and I know each other, but I suspect a fair number of our audience haven't come across you and your work before. So would you give us the very quick intro to who's Steve Milligan? Yeah, Shane. Hi. Good to see you. I'm an Agile consultant, but previously was a Fortune 15 financial regional controller in the finance industry. Also worked as an engineer in the telecoms business as an auditor. I'm a licensed CPA and hold several Agile certifications. And this is why we're talking today, in fact, is you bring that finance background and you've got the experience and knowledge in Agile. And the two are almost oxymorons, aren't they? Well, my passion now is to break down that attitude, to break down the silo that finance and other back office functions like HR, purchasing, legal, appear to be sometimes. So let's explore that if we can. You talk about the agile back office. What do we mean? Well, in many organizations, the agility has been focused on development and product development teams and sometimes extends to related groups like security or infrastructure. But very often, the funding, the capital, how do you get your team? How do you fund it? The feeding and maintenance of the Agile effort has been largely left outside the scope of Agile transformation. And what's the impact of that? Well, the impact is often dysfunction. You get a continuation of command and control. I'm sure many practitioners are used to being in environments where there was an Agile coach and a project manager, both of whom were trying to work sometimes at cross-purpose. So what do we do? Well, we explore the back office functions and try to determine which ones could be brought into the Agile teams, which ones are good candidates for improved collaboration, and to develop an understanding of anything that at the moment might be a true roadblock that could be addressed in the future, mm-hmm. and that would take a longer time horizon. Mm-hmm. And an example of that would be you know, a law somewhere. Mm -hmm. where a legislative body would have to act to change it, but certainly we could identify it now and move forward over time. So what does Agile Finance look like? The Agile Finance, as I promote it, is also an attempt to bring some structure into Agile teams and transformations so that financial aspects, so target setting, budgeting, forecasting, and reporting become synergistic and add to the positive impact of the transformation as opposed to being seen as limiting factors. Yeah, because to most agile teams today, finance is a constraint. Exactly. It's one of the most commonly recognized blockers. And in fact, in the business agility report, changing financial models was found to be the single biggest factor for adopting business agility. Well, and I might propose one more even larger constraint, Mm. and that would be fixed thinking. So you're absolutely right that in the minds of many practitioners that financial operations is seen as a monolith and is seen as a blocker, and these are people who can't be reasoned with. And not to make any political statements, but I think we need to move beyond that Mm. and, again, explore how to maximize synergies and create a true positive network that's beneficial for everyone. So if I am a finance person listening to this, what do I do? 
Well, that's an interesting topic. If you're in an organization that's in the midst of agile transformation, I guess the first thing I would say is don't be left out and don't feel that, you know, we're different and, you know, and we're not welcome. So from the finance side, I would come and investigate and say, try to learn more about what are the teams doing? And hopefully the teams would reach back to me and explain how I could better assist them in these goals. Also, as an advocate for this type of thing, I would point out some things right from the start. For instance, in finance, there's obviously the important concept of stewardship of assets. You know, you can't just leave the door open Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the money's sitting out or or it'll walk out. Mm -hmm. But agile processes tend to have a better fit with compliance activities because if you're operating in shorter cycles and you're reviewing, the chances of detecting anomalies or practices that need to be changed are much better than the old-fashioned project where you may go for months or years and then suddenly discover, whoops, we weren't doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And especially in organizations that don't frequently audit ongoing development, which seems to be most of them. But this is quite a significant mindset shift. These are ingrained attitudes and behaviors. Finance is responsible for being the custodian, for protecting the organization's assets, for ensuring we comply with all the laws. And that's almost an anathema to the agile way of thinking, which is just let's get work done and get things out there. Well, it's possible to improve the process without destroying it. And again, as I pointed out earlier, there is no natural antagonism between agility and financial compliance or legal compliance. It's just an evolutionary step that we need to take. So what would that step look like? If I'm a finance manager or I'm a member of an agile project team or initiative team? I'm glad you asked that. So I think one of the first places that we need to change is in the agile coaching and transformation into the business. Because I think a lot of people who you know, work as coaches or change agents self-constrain. They say, well, I'm going to work with teams, I'm going to work with teams of teams, but I'm not going to really try to touch the money side. Right? It's a hot stove. So the first mental shift, I think, comes in that community. I think also it is communication with some existing functions like PMOs that oftentimes are responsible for authorizing funds to show that it doesn't have to be an antagonistic relationship. And moving again towards the more synergistic environment with also the understanding that once you bring finance in, now you can be a lot more concrete because if I say I'm going to come in and transform your organization and good things are going to flow, the risk and the challenge is, of course, now we're going to measure it. And the expectation is going to be that it's going to flow through the bottom line. So it's a step up. But we've made these steps in the past. Why not make this one now? What do we change in things like financial reporting and structures? Because if we just take the budgeting planning cycle, for most organizations today, that's a year to 18 months in advance. We've got to make a swag, a scientific wild-ass guess about what we think is going to happen in two years' time. And the Agile teams are saying, but we don't know what's going to happen in two months' time. Well, again, glad you brought that up. (laughs) So the good news is from the authoritative side, the AICPA and the United States SEC actually have sent guidance to us as accountants to say you should investigate and determine the applicability of concepts like beyond budgeting, that moving from static budgets 
to activity-based budgets is a desirable direction. And again, the people on the finance side are trying to understand that. So this is a case of if you open the door, they may come. So let's explore that one. What does activity-based budgeting mean versus that traditional, as you called it, static budgeting? So in a traditional budget, you might say, last year we budgeted $10,000 for this group, and this year we're up at 10%, so the budget's 11000 It does not incorporate products, customers, any of these types of things. If you say, last year we created 10 features desired by our customers, and this year we'd like to do 14. So stay that simple and just say, we're going to allocate funds based on last year's experience, but expand that to incorporate the 14 products. That would be an example of an activity basis. And if it's done at a high level like that, it then creates the possibility for teams to then reallocate some of the resources, because as long as you are developing the 14 features, it's not as specific as to the exact mix of components that you're going to use to deliver it. Okay, but that's going to be uncomfortable for some people because they're used to, and I'm going to say it's the pretense of predictability because we know that 74% of projects are late and, I don't know, the budget compliance is, is a joke, but there's this pretense of we can predict. Yes, but with agility, we're actually trying to move from, you're right, from pretense to a bit more science. Because since we're moving in smaller increments, we have a more of a self-correcting behavior pattern that we're putting in place. And as people understand that, in a traditional project, you have risk registers and sort of guesstimates of what might go wrong. But if you're measuring, aren't you more able to correct? So it's like self-driving cars. Now, as the technology improves, they're able to react to a greater variety of things and to do so immediately. So the system itself becomes a learning system. Exactly. And while it will not generate certainty, it provides improved feedback. And that's an aspect of the empirical processes associated with Agile. One of the tools of Beyond Budgeting and other models is this concept of OKRs. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what an OKR is and why is it different? Yes, OKRs were originally invented by Intel, but have expanded out to a lot of, let's say, forward-thinking companies. And the idea is starting at the highest levels of an organization, moving from the more general to the more specific. So OKR stands for Objectives and Key Results. And it's basically in plain English saying, what do you desire as an entity and how will you know when you got it? So you might have for an organization increase our customer base 15%, which would be measurable. But it's not so specific as saying what each person is going to do to realize that 15%. But it's an extremely important exercise. In my experience, I've come across, you know, meet with executives on agile transformations and start with the question, which is also the name of a fine book, call Start With Why, and we'll ask, what are your goals and how will we know when we've achieved them? And sometimes, you know, there's, well, we were told to become more agile. So it's good to walk through this exercise. And the other thing about OKR is that they can evolve over time. So it's not important to get everything absolutely right the first time. That's uncomfortable. Well, but that's the real world. So we haven't talked about VUCA yet, Mm -hmm. 
right? But I think all of the business, government, even nonprofits, everybody recognizes that the environment that we live in now is more volatile, it's more uncertain, there's more complexity, and there's ambiguity. So since you can't get rid of it, don't we need to find ways to deal with it? And if we leave silos and if we adhere to old methods, we won't find anything new. Let's get some advice for two possible sets of our audience. One, the finance person who's being dragged along on this agile transformation journey, possibly being ignored or standing on the side saying, hey, we're here. What advice have you got for them in terms of engaging and what messages should they be bringing to the table? Good point. So a lot of people involved in the financial functions also have requirements for continuing education. And so as a recommendation, I would recommend, you know, first doing some basic readings around agile processes, empirical processes, find the part that turns them on. I would repeat what I said earlier about the synergy with compliance, because this is a good entree for agile people to work with agile people to understand that as you get feedback more frequently, the requirement on the finance side to audit and test may be modified in a downward way. And also, I think one thing that finance people are acutely attuned to is the entity as a whole. Because they're responsible for reporting, we don't report department results. You don't see in a Wall Street report, you see earnings for Google or Nike. They're huge entities, but they report as a single unit. So there's an understanding on the finance side that we have to maximize the entire function that is the business. And advice for the technical leader who's working in an agile environment and wants to find ways to engage, to bring these new financial ideas to their organization. You mentioned beyond budgeting as one of the things to consider, but what do we do? How can that person bring these stories? You had part of the answer in the question (laughs) in terms of its storytelling. It's describing how what they are doing has real impacts on aspects of productivity. I worked with a team that was in a government function, and they're often pilloried for not being all that agile. But in fact, this group of people who were in kind of a remote location implemented mob programming and doubled their productivity. No financial person would just walk past that and say, okay, well, moving right along. It's telling some of the stories about how the transformation has affected them. And then I would think you would almost see more push coming out of the finance side to say, well, this must be mandated. As a matter of fact, I have suggested to some regulatory people in conversation that they probably should change the regulations to say that agile processes should be used in any case that you cannot explain a rational case to do otherwise. So that turning it around is at the moment you fight to use an agile process in many organizations. And to your point, this is because the people who understand the science and use it day to day sometimes feel that there may be either a lack of receptivity to what they have to say or they just don't say it. If we assume we don't understand each other, we may miss valuable conversation. Thank you, Steve. If people want to continue the conversation, where do they find you? You can find me at Steve at agilus, A-G-I-L-I-O-U-S dot com. And of course, look for the IC Agile Finance course. 
which we'll be rolling out in the next couple of months. Any other resources that you would point people to? Yes. For people involved in the finance industry, and notably accountants, the AICPA has continuing education courses that focus on aspects of agile, lean, and as I mentioned before, they encourage active investigation into beyond budgeting. Also, in terms of literature, for the more technically minded, Don Reinertston, Troy McGinnis, in terms of forecasting and estimation, are two good people. And then also, I think the conversation is continuing into local meetup groups and, of course, conferences like Agile 2019. Steve, thank you so much. 